You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Comedy Seller Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. Um, I'm a little uh, hoarse today. I hope uh, Dan might have to talk. Well, no, oddly enough, extra. I'm a little bit that way. I think it's a change of seasons. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we're here at the uh, table at the Comedy Cellar. Um, I'm with Dan Natterman next to me, famous and uh, talented comedian Dan Natterman. Well, talented perhaps. <laughs> Okay, our guest, uh, Josh Johnson, uh, has become a semi-regular guest, guest on this program, yeah. which makes me very happy. Josh is... Uh, He's got a, a beauty. His voice is so um, so rich, such a great uh, timber that I just enjoy hearing. He's, oh, also, thanks, he's, also, he's also a thinking person. Well, forget that. I mean, it's his vocal quality. <laughs> uh, Josh Johnson is a stand-up com- comedian, writer, and performer. What... what? I, I'm, I'm looking at Perry, y'all. Like, they, they, like the, these introductions... <laughs> He's a stand-up comedian and a writer and a performer. You perform outside of doing stand-up? Uh, yeah, I've done like one-man shows and stuff. So excuse uh, maybe me, that these bios more. come from the artists. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. I don't write these. Okay. Okay. I, okay. I ask people to describe okay. Okay. themselves. Okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> he, his credits include the Tonight Show, Conan, Comedy Central, and Netflix. He's currently a writer on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It can be seen regularly at the Comedy Cellar. And our guest of honor. Marie Myung Ok Lee. Did I say it okay? Perfect. Thanks, Noah. Perfect. Noam. Noam. <laughs> ah, sorry, I'm already like. She did it just like yeah. you rehearsed it. Okay. Is an acclaimed Korean American writer and author. Her numerous writing credits include the New York Times, The Nation, The Paris Review, The Washington Post, and The Guardian. She's a professor at Columbia. So you know Coleman Hughes? No. No, okay. She's a professor at Columbia, and her next novel is forthcoming with Simon and Schuster. Is that okay? That was very good. Thank you. Wow, very, very, uh, very pleased to have you on the show. Now, before we dig in, yes, uh, I just want to make you mindful that we have a jam-packed show. So just be mindful of time. We've got, we, I hope, hopefully, to get to Greta Thunberg and the Trump impeachment, and maybe some Trudeau and and that whole thing. So just be mindful. We have a lot, a lot to get to. But uh, first, we're going to talk to. Why, also, you, I'm here. My name's Periel. Ariel Ashenbrun. Okay, so uh, she's she's a comedian and a performer, <laughs> a writer, <laughs> and a writer. Thank okay. you. Okay, I'm gonna let you go down. I'm having trouble talking. Go ahead. We're gonna talk about Shane Gillis. Well, first, we're going okay. to talk to to uh, Marie Myung Ok Lee. I said it better, didn't I? Okay. I'm no, gonna divide it, yeah. but um, because she she you know last week we had a great episode. We discussed Shane Gillis, and we 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 kind of examined that under every angle and and looked into every nook and cranny. We didn't have an Asian-American last week, however, to uh, give perspective. Uh, Marie came out uh, harshly critical of uh, Shane Gillis, and I, I think it's fair to say you were in accord with the SNL decision to uh, let him go. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Now, you wrote a column about this on NBC, is that correct? Yes, it, that, it is. That it, would have been good for the intro, but go ahead, go ahead. It wasn't just about Shane Gillis, it was... It was kind of an overview about, and I do want to mention, I feel extremely overmatched because I'm the one not performer. I'm a pretty... The guest of honor generally is like you. <laughs> you should, you're perfect. Don't be and nervous. And complete introvert. Um, but there is, such a, there is such a history of it, and a lot of it isn't, 
you know, I got a lot of blowback from, oh, it's cancel culture, it's this, it's that. Basically, from the Asian-American family, even my son's um, swim teacher, everyone was saying, oh, it was so wonderful that somebody's finally said it. Um, and basically, I don't even feel, I think racism just isn't funny. So if we're talking about doing a job, then there are other comics who would do a better job. Um, and to go beyond the Shane Gillis, I was talking a little bit about another culture figure, Andrew Yang, which I almost felt like, well, maybe you should have had Andrew here, that he kind of plays with these stereotypes, but in a way that makes it safe for somebody like Shane Gillis. He has hats that say math on them. He, um, in response to a question about healthcare, he talked about how, he joked about how he knows a lot of doctors, and that's, that's a way that he's kind of, I almost feel like he's internalized so many of these stereotypes that he makes fun of himself to make himself seem safer to like a larger, like a wider electorate. Um, and, and like I was saying, it's sort of a lot of the white, you know, a lot of the blowback I got was, oh, this is cancel culture, da, 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 or are you censoring him? But a lot of the Asian Americans felt like this was an inchoate feeling that they'd had so much about capitulating, and I also started it by saying I was at a comedy show, and uh, they started making fun of Asians. And I know if they called on me, I probably would have laughed it off too. It's just this—it's per- performative. I'm not a performer. It's a performative laugh that I would have done just to get get it over with. And a similar friend um, said he was at a Robin Williams show, and as soon as he did it, a little bit on cab drivers. He looked at him, and he did the same thing. He just laughed. So you're just kind of laughing on the outside because you're trying to fit in, and then you're raging. Um, you're Sorry, you're laughing on the outside and then raging on the inside. And so I feel I want my insides to finally match my outsides, and that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get across from that piece. Well, um, so I, one thing that's interesting that you brought up is this notion of positive stereotypes. I mean, you didn't articulate it that way, but you're talking about being good at math or being... Um, Successful. These are what we regard as positive stereotypes. But it's still but you stereotype. still feel that it's 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 uh, wrong to oh, make it's fun complete. of. Oh, it's complete. It's a complete stereotype. Okay, uh, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, are, are, are you? I don't mean to challenge you. I mean I'm going to challenge you. Okay. I, don't, I don't want you to think like aggressive because uh-huh, you said you were sure. nervous and I don't want you to be nervous. It's a friendly show. Um, do you uh, are you do you believe that these stereotypes are all based on lies, or do you acknowledge that there's some truth to there's statistical some statistical truths to differences between populations? Like for instance, the Indians uh, always seem to win the uh, spelling bees way in excess of their per, per capita what you'd expect. Similarly, I think you'd have to go down like 50 people on the list of the fastest fastest people in the world to find one who wasn't black. So is any reference to these true facts considered stereotyping and therefore off limits in your mind? Well, see, it also depends on what you mean by facts and what are what's empirical, because I believe a lot of these stereotypes are constructs that are useful for maintaining basically the white-centered, like, white supremacy. Because, for instance, wait, if but I'm not done... my to, thing first. Wait, I am answering okay. it. If you want to talk statistics, we're talking something empirical. We could say, well, every serial killer has drunk milk in their life. So there's a stereotype that milk drinkers become serial killers. You know, you're, no, this that's, is kind that's, of a, that's the other way around. No, I'm saying this is kind of a logical fallacy. You see a lot of Asians, and they seem rich. 
that's a stereotype. But for instance, um, some of the work that we're doing at Columbia, if you quote unquote disaggregate the stereotypes, for instance, everyone, the stereotype is like a lot of East Asians are wealthy. But actually, if you disaggregate the stereotypes, a lot of East Asians, particularly elderly in New York City, are some of the poorest groups. That's a stereotype. Why, why is it okay to say a group is poor, but not okay to say they're rich? But it's a stereotype because... Why is it not a, poor to say they're, a stereotype to say they're poor? No, it's a stereotype that, that East Asians are rich. It's, it's a stereotype that South Asians are, quote-unquote, rich. But and the, you'll, you'll, accept stati- you'll accept statistics that a group is poor, but you'll bristle at a statistic that a group is well... I don't, I don't, I, well but, but, but let's get back to my, my example. The, the, I, I wouldn't say all spelling... Everybody who enters a spelling bee makes them more likely to be Indian which would be milk makes you more likely to be serial killer. I'm saying that everybody, that, it, that again and again and again, Indians either win the, sp- children of Indian Americans, I don't want to put it the wrong way, either win the spelling bee or uh, are very close to winning the spelling bee. I mean, you can't not notice it if you watch these spelling Yeah, it was a five-way tie with one white kid. Yeah, so, right. but I can't make a joke about that. Well, but you could, why don't you make a joke about most serial killers are white men? Well, Almost I, I, every I'm not mass against shooting. That. Not, I hear, by the way, for, for the record, people make jokes about that exact thing all the time. All the time, right? And yeah, I think <laughs> one thing that's tough about this thing in particular, to what, to what you're saying, is um, the logical fallacies that go into making jokes are some for some reason, dissect it when the joke doesn't land or isn't considered funny, but when the joke is funny, it's okay that the logical fallacy was there. So there is no chicken, there is no road, this is a made-up thing. And when it, in regards to race, the problem with Shane specifically is that he wasn't doing stand-up in that moment. He was having a conversation. So it, to me, it, it, it is a bit separate from like, if Shane had been on stage doing prepared bits, said jokes that felt racist or whatever then as a comic you could you could more easily band behind him and at least give him like say in quote unquote at least give him the chance to try to be funny with the material he's prepared let me ask can i ask you a question about that sure because i I heard it once and i and i I can get these things wrong sometimes but you tell me if this is fair or not when i heard him use the word chinks i heard him putting it into the mentality of the people that he imagined created Chinatown. Like, something like, why is there Chinatown? People say, let the chinks go here. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, now is that a fair characterization of what, because, so, so by hearing it that way, I didn't hear, I could hear my father saying to me like, oh yeah, they say, let's just, let's just put all the Jews over there. Like, he wasn't saying that about Jews. He was, he was describing how he, how, how people viewed it or how people might have thought about it. Well, I mean, or at least arguably is, that's what he meant. Well, this is where like being able to articulate your, your point or your joke is very, very important because if your entire thing is to parody a person who seems like a racist or is dumb for being racist or something, but you don't fully articulate that thing, it can be perceived as if you were doing the thing in the moment. You yeah, know what and, I mean? Well, yeah, and sometimes um, things that we all say, you know this as well as I do, um, after the fact you realize, oh God, yeah, I can see why you took it that way. I didn't mean it that way. This well, is a very, But don't very you think using racial slurs is always wrong? That's kind of my uh, base. It no. depends if you're the race. Like, I feel like it doesn't bump me. This is, this is a, maybe a very particular thing with me, but when I see Puerto Rican kids from my neighborhood use the N-word, it doesn't bump me at all. Oh, but I'm also talking about, when I'm talking about the white power structure, it's coming from the power structure, 
that's when a slur becomes a slur. Within, within the group, I don't think it's the same thing as a slur. And I, that's why I was trying to explain George Takei, when, some, when he came to Columbia and somebody asked him about Star Trek, he very happily made this joke that was truly funny, where he just said, you know what, I'm talking back to these anti-Asian stereotype, these Asian stereotypes because I was the best helmsman in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. That is funny. Okay, so let me ask you. Wait, wait, let me do. So, so I want to ask you a question. Whenever you say white, like one of those, you know, in the presidential debates, when somebody mentions somebody's name, they have the right to respond. I think whenever she says white power structure, I have the right to respond. <laughs> but uh, when, represent. Uh, when, <laughs> hey, you can do this. Um, so when you say use a racial slur, like, do you think that it's okay to read Tom Sawyer out loud because it has the N word in it? What do you mean by using a racial slur? Quoting it? If, if I, well, I'll let you answer that one first. Is Tom Sawyer no longer allowed to be read out loud? That's a very difficult one. I have trouble, um, I feel a lot of trepidation because I want my students to um, read, for instance, a lot of Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor does use the N-word. I myself do not want to say it. If I were reading it, I would not say the word out loud. Well, let's say I read it out loud. I'm not allowed to? You'd have a problem with that? And then I'd I'm ask not the why. boss of you. No, but why... why because look, can I, can I give you an analogy? Yeah. Jew, the Holocaust is very important to Jews. And yet I see Hitler in comedy type things. I've, I would never expect someone not to show a picture of the camps. I guess what I'm saying, John McWhorter, your colleague, wrote a column like two weeks ago saying that, like, essentially, how fragile do people think, he's black, do people think we are that we can't hear the word uttered he says, I understand, I think he used the word, I understand it shouldn't be wielded. I think that was his word, wielded, like, you know, with the intention yeah. of the word. But he didn't understand why you couldn't say the word, why among all the horrible, painful things that you can see in the world, that this is the one thing that, and again, he was saying it from the black point of view, that we're so fragile, we can't even hear it. I made a joke one time that if the, um, during the, they had video of the Christchurch massacre, that if the guy had yelled the N-word while he was doing the shooting, they would have showed the video but bleeped out the word. Like, this yeah, is, yeah. you know, this is, this is how ridiculous they, they, they've gotten it. And when I was a kid, and then I'll stop talking, like, for instance, John Lennon had a song where he used the N-word, Woman is the N-word of the world was the song. And he was making a powerful point. And nobody at the time, I mean, this was about as left-wing and good-standing guy as you could get, nobody at the time had any problem... Uh, embracing him and understanding his point. And the point was powerful because he used the N-word. How could he, I mean, you know, if I said woman is the N-word of the world, that's not the same thing. So anyway, that's my thoughts. Go ahead. Well, also Elvis Costello had a song, you know, uh, Oliver's Army, where he's talking about white N-word, but referring to Irishmen. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Randy Newman had a song using N-word. So go ahead, answer. Uh, well, my answer would be uh, a little bit like when I was on a show and people were asking me, if they thought um, a certain person would be treated differently in North Korea. And I would have to say, I, I repeated myself, I can't really, I prefer not to speak on um, what other groups would think. And I don't feel like it's helpful or productive to compare different groups as in, well, we can say Hitler, but we can't say N-word. Or if they would have said N-word, it would have been la la la. Or we can say chink because it's actually also a word versus... Um, <clears throat> It's, you know what I mean? It means something else. So I'm just like in gonna, the armor. Yeah, exactly. Because there, 
So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gracefully pass on this because I would not like to comment on comparing different groups. <clears throat> well, I have passion. a. I will get. We'll get to my. But you're uh, passing on the heart of the matter. I mean, this is this is what we're here all here to talk about. Well, I would also like to talk about. Uh, you talk about you know. Um, Enforcing the white power structure by 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 making a joke about Asians being good at math, for example. Uh, have you? I mean, my point of view is is that other cultures are funny. Other people, ways of doing things, stereotypes can be funny. Uh, we have a dear friend, Colin Smith. He's uh, he's from Ireland, and uh, you know, I talk to him. I say, "Hi, how are you doing, old boy? Ah, uh, top of the morning to you." You know, because I think his accent is funny, and his accent to me is funny. Um, my, my, my Irish accent, I understand, is not good. And then you make, usually make jokes <laughs> about him being hungover. Well, I don't do that. Uh, don't but do but uh, <laughs> one might. <laughs> yes, but you but, do. <laughs> but uh, the point, or English people, you know, you remember the, uh, the movie um, uh, Austin Powers. I don't yes. know if you saw the movie. And with, with love, I think, um, Mike Myers went through every stereotype in the book, you know, and using that ridiculous accent and the, the bad teeth. And um, those, you know, yeah, all, he's, part, he's part of the power structure. So, but the point, the point which is, I think, I think, which I think is ridiculous. But, but, but the yes. point, the point <laughs> I know, is, I know that's is your point of view. you know, it's if it's coming from a place of somebody talking about Asians being good at math, they're not coming necessarily, and probably not coming from a hateful place. Certainly, Andrew Yang's not coming from a hateful place. But even a comedian might be coming from a place of. Hey, you know, you're Americans. We're all Americans, and we we can we can jibe each other a little bit, and I think we can all handle it. And, yeah, and Josh, I, what do you think about positive stereotypes? I I do think that it is. It's tough to say. It's tough to make rules for comedy that any one thing, no matter what it is, is never okay or funny. Because then we do see that thing. Likewise, to the question that you pose, where it's like. Well, this thing in this particular way, when you tweak it, then becomes funny. You know, it's like the, uh, it, I know it's not his original joke, but Gilbert Godfrey had that joke about uh, there were two Jews uh, waiting to kill Hitler, and they were sitting there, you know, like camped out waiting to shoot him if he came home. And, and they waited, and then an hour passed, and he still wasn't there. And then two more hours passed, and he still wasn't there. And one Jew said to the other, like, gee, I hope nothing happened to him. <laughs> and it's like, even in that right there, it's like you're bringing up a joke about Hitler, one of the most, like, evil historical characters that there is. You're bringing in a joke about two people specifically because they're Jewish. And then you're bringing in the concept of them showing concern for this person who is one of the most hated and hateful, like, icons in human history. And, and I think that when we make uh, like definitive statements like slurs can't potentially be funny or subjects can't potentially be funny, then we shut the door off to jokes that then in their like um, inception are fairly harmless and pretty funny to the general public. I think that you get a pass for what's funny. It's the same way that uh, jokes and stereotypes work the same way that art does, where it's like, is that stuffed shark worth $2 million? Well, it is if anyone in the room is willing to pay $2 million for it. Well, but I would ask you then what you thought about that Shane Gillis actually literally told um, WHYY's Billy Penn that, oh yeah, you know, we did this kind of experiment and we tried to see if we could be racist against Asians and everyone thought it was really funny and he said the conclusion was, yes, I Racism against Asians is funny, and you can do it because people don't object. And so, again, 
when I'm thinking that, well, that falls into another stereotype. Either there are not a lot of Asian Americans in the audience or Asians are meek and we don't speak up. Again, I am pointing to myself, like capitulating to certain stereotypes and trying to laugh, around, laugh along. Wait, did you just say Asians are meek? I'm saying that's a stereotype. Right. But I, but but you're also kind of copying to it in by describing no, I, all the Asian people you know who will just sit there and take it. No, what I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is why I'm I'm and I'm asking Josh what what you think of the idea that Shane Gillis actually literally said that you can be racist against Asian. So there is some self awareness there that he's that he's saying. Sure, and here's the thing. I I will say I don't. I don't know Shane, so I am not going to uh, sit here and insert the best possible scenario for his words or his thought process or anything. So I don't know him. So I will say, though, from what you're telling me now, uh, as someone who has seen it from like a black perspective of people making jokes about black people, I have uh, jokes about black people being very passable in the days of like the Ed Sullivan show and stuff like that, that things that are seen as completely derogatory now were like funny and everyone would laugh at them back then. I do say that comedy in that way does shed a light on on that aspect of society. So even though I don't think that that thing is right, I don't think it's right to be racist or make fun of a particular group for any reason other than camaraderie, I do think that him even saying that sheds a light on maybe that is what people think right now. So even if he didn't have the best intentions, let's say he's a full-blown racist for the sake of argument, he still sheds a light on what the general public, at least in his eyes, is saying to him in the moment. And I think that that is, is tantamount to research. That's tantamount to putting a lens on society and then being able to discuss it afterwards, you know? Um, I think that it, it is, it's a shame if people feel comfortable being racist towards Asian people. I'm not going to sit here and, especially as a black person, just be like, ah, it's whatever group is whatever. But I will say that, let's say someone feels that way, and then they say it out loud and no one corrects them, then maybe they are correct in their assumption that it is okay, quote-unquote, to be uh uh, more stereotypical about Asian people in jokes, you know? So or they think they're correct in their assumption, which is why Asian Americans finally need to speak up against it, which sure, is where this, sure. the whole so upswell listen, can, can I say, so, Just a couple things to build on what you said before I was thinking. First of all, tell me if you think this is right. I feel like I've noticed that every single ethnic group, when they go on stage, will make jokes based on the stereotypes of their own group. The same jokes that, uh, and this may be completely understandable, the same jokes that might make us cringe coming out of a white mouth. Um, but every ethnic group will make the same, well, jokes that will allude to the same stereotypes. And people will laugh. And I think, to be honest, part of the reason that people will laugh is the grain of truth in so many of these stereotypes about people. So, like, there's that Jewish joke... Uh, I'm not gonna get it right. Where the there's two Jewish, only two Jewish kids in the whole class. How does it go, Dan? And the I don't know that. One. And the teacher asks the assignment is that who is the most important person in history? And Yossi raises his hand and says, Jesus Christ was the most important person in history. And after class, his Jewish friend comes and says, What are you doing? How could you say Jesus Christ? He says, Look, everybody knows Moses was the most important person in history. But business is business. <laughs> so, so, so this is a joke that Jews tell to each other. Mm -hmm. Now, this is us 
like the Hitler giving joke. A, no, but it's us giving Funny. a little wink to yeah, you know, this is, we there's something about this which we we understand, you yeah. know, in the same way Andrew Yang is yeah, there is something about Asians and and the the doctors and the achievement. This is not all uh, smoke and mirrors out of thin air, and finding the line between that and being wielded for hateful purposes, mm -hmm. that's very difficult. We struggle with that. But if we have to take it to the extreme where we're going to pretend not to see the world that we all certainly see in front of us, that's where, that's where you, you've lost me. And then I want to say one other thing, and I'll shut up. Think about the white power structure. I understand that there is something that strikes us differently about seeing somebody... Uh, to seeing somebody white um, mocking somebody black, somebody black mocking somebody white. I understand that. But I don't know that that means that somebody black mocking somebody white is not doing the wrong thing. Meaning that, we touched on this last week, that if it's wrong to make fun of somebody based on their immutable characteristics, then it's wrong. And to say to yourself, I, it's wrong, but I know I can get away with it because people will kind of laugh if I do it. They won't laugh if he does, so I'm going to take that liberty and do it. Uh, I don't know if that really holds up to scrutiny. It's, it's, it's still wrong. And, and does that mean that overnight when white people become a minority in the country that all of a sudden the, the, it flips? And now you, I mean, it just, it's, you know, I, I, or, or somebody's going to magically tell us when it's no longer a white power structure. But wouldn't it be better... If we're going to have a rule, say, listen, yeah, it, it, I agree, it's, it strikes us differently depending on whose mouth it comes out of, but we should all not do it. It's wrong. But may, maybe a rule, a rule or a guideline could be if it's upsetting people, we don't want to upset people. And if it's upsetting people, we should be mindful of that. Yeah, well, I, how, I, how, I, how are you going to police that in well, a comedy club? In a comedy club, comedians, we police ourselves because we've been doing this a long time. People, and, we, and we can see the audience reaction. people. Uh, but I'm not, saying, I'm not saying to erect or uh, establish strict rules. I'm saying that as comedians, we all do this. Yeah, there's a we, difference we between ruffling feathers and straight up bombing. You, you know? know, we all like, decide what the audience is going to. We, I don't want to upset anybody on stage. I had a joke years ago about the word, I use the N-word, and uh, I thought it was using it in an okay way, but uh, the audience didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and this was years ago. And I stopped doing it. Can you tell the joke without saying the N-word? The joke was NASA was sending into outer space. Jesus like, um, I was also in my early 20s. NASA was sending... NASA, like Shane Gillis. NASA was sending things in outer space so that if aliens found it, they'd know about our culture. They'd like, it's true. NASA sends in outer space. They got like uh, recordings and magazines and books and like a... Have you heard about that? It's but it, it, yeah, it is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So I said I don't know if they have gangster rap in there because if they didn't, the aliens found it and they come to Earth and the door of the ship would open and they would say greetings N words. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and I'm laughing at you saying the joke. I'm not laughing at the joke. I'm not picturing you in your early twenties. Well, in any <laughs> case, to say cheerfully that joke. saying <laughs> there was no ill intention on my part. I thought it was funny. Okay, the audience didn't think it was funny. I stopped doing it. Not because I thought in any way, show, or perform I was being racist. I didn't then and I don't now okay, but Carlin, think, that, Carlin, think that that's a racist joke. Carlin I don't want it. to upset the audience, so I made the decision. I'm not looking to upset people, and right, I'm certainly not you, looking to bomb but, right, and get but, fired either. Right, but so, so I stopped the doing jokes it. that are made on stage like what are gauged by whether or not they're funny, right? I think the thing with what, Shane, Whether they're funny and whether the audience 
is if, if somebody comes up to me after the if the whole audience is howling laughing, but one person comes up to me after the show and says, I was upset by that, at a minimum, I'll hmm. consider the joke and reconsider doing it. I might decide, well, her reaction or his reaction. Right, that, that's, just, that's just like a mercenary standard. You're yes, not, you're, it is. You're not talking about morality standard. right and wrong. But anymore, because, you know? I, what the morality is, is because the morality is, is my intentions. If my intention is to harm, that's immoral. If my intention is not to harm, right. then that's then not stand immoral. by your guns. Well, I mean, you're not saying... But I also, uh, but I also have business, business, business. business, business. But, you know, also, if we want to slide into the other topic that you're talking about, and I also, I haven't seen a lot of stand-up, so I, I'm making, I'm not... I'm you fasc- won't like it. I'm fascinated <laughs> listening to you about this. But then if, we're, if we want to talk about Justin Trudeau and his yellow face that he did, you know, at what point... Did he do yellow face or brown face? Well, I believe he was mocking someone who is um, South Asian. He's also done about, lots uh, of face. About, uh, but so, wait, but, what, but what I'm saying is, wait, at some Asian? point, at some point, people laughed at minstrel shows and at blackface yeah. and yellowface. And what at what point um, are we supposed to say, well, it was funny, it worked, it laughed, people laughed at it, wait, people I, love these shows. I, I just got to stop because people are going to be lost. Who was he imitating? That was South Asian. I don't remember um, this. I am not saying I. I, I, don't, I don't know that he was, but he was. He was. He was, was a, apparently a, 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 wearing brown face, brown face. and I'm yeah. not sure if he. Well, no yellow, no yellow he's, face that I know. Well, he's worn was, brown face. He's worn black face, and there, there's another instance where things are murky because there aren't pictures and stuff. Right. But, but it wasn't talk, a, talked about. I never heard anybody say it was yellow. Face. I but I think I it was who. someone who was South Asian, if I'm correct. Because I know he was doing Arabian Nights. I know, be that as it may, yeah. he was right. doing something that many consider offensive, but right. others might consider yeah. funny. And as I said to you, my personal standard of morality is is what are your intentions? Do you intend to harm? If you intend to harm, then you're doing something immoral. And if you intend not, if you don't intend to harm, even if it does harm, but I look at intentions. So let me ask you about the blackface thing. In terms think, of morality. Well, I, I think, well, you want to say something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple of things. One, to, to your point about uh, the blackface and everything in the menstrual shows, it's like, that's kind of exactly what I was talking about before, where there is, there, and maybe that's what's being exposed now, which is what gets people talking about, which is where I still think that comedy about everything is a good thing, because then if we don't like something, we get to talk about not liking the thing, as opposed to just all assuming we agree and everything. One thing, I, I still think that in certain instances, blackface can be funny. Like, I wrote a sketch about the last guy to do blackface. And just how poorly it went, because he was the last guy. Like it wasn't okay ten guys ago, but he didn't get the memo. So now he's trying to do his show, and he's just bombing because he's in blackface. You know what I mean? And it's like that to me when I wrote that, I thought it was very funny because it plays on the fact that one people don't find it as okay anymore, but people also used to. But then there's jokes within the the sketch to save if the blackface itself isn't seen as funny enough. Right. You know what I mean? No, that does sound funny, talking about why it's not funny, but it's actually, doing, you're doing it funny. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's sure, so many sure. complex layers to that. Yeah, and so I, that's the point I about blackface. Can, can, yeah, can I do a callback to the black? So, so this was the thing, this is my little thing on blackface. Um, first of all, I think that it, in retrospect, it's pretty clear given everything that's transpired since then, that Megyn Kelly, of all the people to have actually paid the penalty for this, was the most... I mean, all she did was ask about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where people who actually were doing it, including a Democratic governor of Virginia with, the, with somebody else in a KKK mask, yeah. is still the governor of Virginia. Yeah. And all Megyn... So this just shows how... Uh, and exposes actually one of the things I'm always worried about is that how we really make this stuff up as we go along and it's, t- it's hypocrites overnight about this stuff and it's really about who we hate 
that we then we we tend to come at them because everybody hated Megyn Kelly, and all of a sudden when everybody adores Justin Trudeau, now they're finding all the kind of excuses for him. Number one, number two, it's an interesting philosophical thing to me is it, is at at what point will we allow the bad things from the past to no longer be controlling in the present so that at what yes we know that black people were mocked with blackface but in the world that we're all hoping for um, everybody's going to love each other and so I might want to dress up as Michael Jackson or, Mac Jackson or, or, or Eddie Murphy or whatever it is and and uh, the black kid might want to dress up as me and the, and the other kid might want to dress up as Bruce Lee and and if we if it didn't have that history, we say well, that, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Why would anybody care about that? At what point do we let go of the past and say, well, okay, we, this can't go on forever. We can't permanently hold on to these things that have nothing to do with us and impose them on people and then and then catch them because they didn't. You know, people in this country are barely educated about anything. They didn't know. This 17-year-old, of course, from wherever, he had no friggin' idea why this was so wrong. I'm saying just, in, or 21-year-old, whatever it is. I mean, you've seen these surveys about how little factual knowledge Americans have about anything in their history. They don't know how many states there are. To think that the average American understands the painful legacy of blackface when he's dressing up as Michael Jordan, who he adores, that's just preposterous. And well, then we have to go back, fall back to my thing about intentions. Right. So, so, and the final thing is, I want to say that, that one of the lies about this whole thing to me, and then you can, I'll stop, is that clearly Megyn Kelly turned out to be right. Because it, what, what's happened since she said that is we found out that Joni Mitchell dressed up as blackface, Jimmy Kimmel dressed up as blackface, Jimmy Fallon, Billy Crystal, Sarah Silverman, Ted, all liberals. And not only do they all do it, but the major networks put them on. And not only do the major networks put them on, but the people who they dressed up as, Isaiah Thomas or Oprah Winfrey, didn't complain. So if you take a snapshot of what it was like 15 years, and somebody says, well, it was okay then. It wasn't okay to mock somebody on their race, but it was okay to dress up as a black guy. Clearly, that, that, it was okay. If, I mean, what is the evidence that it wasn't okay? If the major liberal networks and liberal types in the country and black people were all accepting of it, that's a pretty good empirical case to say, yes, it was okay. Although I do recall, and now we're changing the rules again. I do recall Ted right. Danson get, did, did get some flack, but it hardly was career-ending, and everybody accepted uh, well, but, his but, I, but The thing about Ted Danson was he actually hearkened to actual mocking blackface. He, didn't, he wasn't dressed up as, like, like Joni Mitchell dressed up as a blues singer. It wasn't, Ted Danson wasn't dressing up uh, with the sense of, of uh, honoring or admiring the black character. He was actually dressed up as this mocking black character and he had Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, but you're right. But even then, it was kind of passed as he's making a point or being outrageous. But no, I'm sorry. So, are you suggesting we bring back blackface if it's benign blackface? I, I am suggesting that I would like to live in a world where, as Dan said, that, uh, that my... I mean, it gets so complicated. Like my children are of mixed race, right? My, my, my wife's Puerto Rican. My son loves Black Panther. Can he dress as Black Panther? Can he not dress as I don't fucking know. I was like, why shouldn't he be able to dress as Black Panther? He doesn't even understand. Like he loves Black Panther. It, mm -hmm. It's like it's like it's like we're gonna we're gonna create permanent roadblocks to getting to where we want to be if we are going to maybe never get out in front of it and risk a little bit letting down some of these racial rules to allow positive intentions. 
to grow. Well, the expression a- of, of love, of admiration. I love Prince. I want to dress or as the, Prince. Or my interaction. That, that's, a, that's a healthy progression. That's a healthy direction to move in. Or my, Not or mocking. My, or my gentle, fun-loving uh, imitations of Colin Smith's accent. Yes. Well, but that's not a sensitive wanna, thing. Do you want to yes. go first? Please. Josh Johnson, oh. you say what? Uh, I I think that... D- does anyone here know what a moon cricket is? A moon cricket? Moon cricket. Is that a, a derogatory Sounds term? Sounds like for, a racial slur. <laughs> yeah. Is it, does anybody know what it is? No. no. If I had ever... Have you ever heard moon cricket before? No. no. Moon cricket, so wider than a mile. you know what it means, no. and you've never heard it before, right? Moon cricket was a thing that they... Oh, Thanks. Moon cricket was a thing that they used to call slaves that would sing spirituals while they worked uh, after the sun had gone down. Uh, so it's like when you know the history behind moon cricket, you're like, oh, 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 God, that's that's pretty rough. That's, that's harsh. A, you know what I mean? I think that to what you're saying, enough time would have to pass. We're going to be so dead. Enough time would have to pass that all of these things that are seen as hurtful past things can be let go. They do get let go all the time, but we don't even in the consciousness of the present moment know that they've been let go because they're so old that finally there wasn't anyone to pass down moon cricket to anyone. I think that for certain things, that's going to take a long, 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 long time. And I think that for other things, it, it gets let go fairly quickly. I would also like to live in a world where People can do plenty of things and no one... I mean, we, we even talk about a world where women would be able to walk down the street topless as well without getting googly <laughs> eyes, catcalling, everything like that's that. Not, that's that, not going to happen. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I'm saying a, a, but, but a I, thousand gonna, years from now, you what, if, what, you know, what if... I don't believe that you were mm-hmm. offended when Fred Armisen darkened his skin to play Barack Obama. I don't believe it. Wait, what did he do? He darkened his skin a bit when he played Obama on SNL. Oh. I, I don't believe you were offended when Billy Crystal did no, Muhammad, no, no. Al, Muhammad Ali. But I'm but I'm a very particular case because as a comedian, I always look for the joke first, and I don't. I don't remember anybody people, being offended. I didn't hear anybody offended. But that's it, the thing. Okay, so now that so, they're being told, hey, don't you know you should be offended? Now there's a whole new re- I, rebirth of offense. This is the only thing I'll disagree with that on is yeah. to what you're saying. When there is a power structure at play. There's plenty of people, like even the Duck Dynasty guys got in trouble for this a couple years ago, where they were reminiscing about the, the 50s and 60s, and they're like, I don't remember it being that bad. Yeah, but and that's, like, but that's like, when they were actually being but that's when they were actually being mean to gays. No, 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 no. But I'm I'm saying if you're part if you're part of a thing that isn't the butt of the joke or um, isn't taking offense to the thing, it's very easy to feel like the thing is not as bad when people who aren't willing to speak up aren't enjoying it. There are things that I think to what you're saying with stereotypes and stuff. Look, you go to any black club, straight up black club where it's going to be mostly black people, a lot of jokes are said to black people from black people that are stereotypes that would maybe make some of those people cringe if anyone was white. So does that mean the joke shouldn't be said? Absolutely not, because we're all enjoying the joke when there's an understood dynamic of like, okay, we're all in the same playing field here. But I'm going to tell you what it means to me. Go ahead yeah, and finish. Yeah. You want to finish your sentence? And okay. so so the two aspects of uh, stereotype and, and joke that I think are important, and, and one of the things that happened with Shane is that he was, he was talking, you know, like trying to be funny on his podcast. He wasn't doing stand-up, but because he is a stand-up, the conversation bled into stand-up. And I don't think that it should have because he was talking, joking, 
with a friend trying to be funny, whereas other people who make some of these same offensive jokes prepare the joke in a way where maybe it has a turn, maybe it has a specific premise that's supposed to perk your ear, so that way when they get to the joke, you laugh even more because you thought it was going to be hateful, it was going to be easy, whatever. The two aspects of the thing are, one is uh, the punching down, whatever, punching up. I actually don't believe in that at I all. I don't either. I think, I think that it's actually ludicrous because... Whoever is the butt of the joke will not feel punched up on, even if they are, quote-unquote, the person with power. So I think you can hurt a white kid's feelings just as bad by talking about how pasty and unrhythmic white people are as you can about talking about how poor black people are to a black kid. I think that punching up is a thing that people do, they say they do Did to you make say them pasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that punching up is a thing that people lie to themselves that they do to feel better about doing the same thing they don't want done to they're, them. They're permitting themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, when, and I, in a, in a, in a way, when stereotypes are wrong, when they're completely unfounded and there's no general consciousness about them, we actually don't laugh. You know what I mean? Like, like if I were to go up on stage, you'd be like, man, Mexicans love grapes. It's like, all right, that might be funny because of how goofy it is, but no one thinks that. So then it doesn't have the shared experience of, of like, I have also noticed this thing. Because you either laugh from surprise or you laugh from recognition, you know? And I think that's why people have such a hard time letting go of stereotypical jokes because there is recognition within them. Uh, okay, but go ahead. If, well, if we're always talking about intentions, and you're sort of talking, because I agree, you know, comedy is a kind of art, and you do have to push boundaries to kind of, you don't, when you're doing it, you kind of don't know what's funny. You kind of need, like, the response and so forth. So, I don't know, I kind of get this idea that people, you guys were talking about this last week when I wasn't here, but, um, th so then what do you feel, like, what would you find objectionable about my piece if, Finally, Asian Americans are speaking up to say, no, that's not funny. We're offended. And it's not, it's not coming from a place of good intention. So you're kind of saying this generally as a corrective that we want, you know, like Dan was saying, like, we want, you know, you want to know if people are offended. So now if I don't I find a piece objectionable. Oh, I, I, I would say that I, I, I don't. I don't remember if you actually, but your conclusion, your actual conclusion. I am very averse to firing people for this sort of thing, because of the, uh, because I think it's an impossible standard and it's applied. And because it's haphazard, right? Completely. I mean, as I said, I mean, I'm, I love Chappelle and I loved his special, but he made some he made some pretty pr problematic jokes there too. And I guarantee you, if he wants to host SNL, they're going to roll out the red carpet. So to me, I'm like, you know what, guys. And, and Joy Reid is still working on MSNBC, and she said really bad things about gays, and she wasn't kidding or even trying to be funny. So like, so I'm like, spare me your your, yeah. sanct your sanctimony. You're full of shit, and and so why don't you just let the guy apologize or not, and put him on, and let's just give people a little, let's just give people a little w wiggle room, a, a margin of error to just make mistakes and and whatever. I, so I just, would you like, have kept him on? Like, I'm not familiar yeah, with I his comedy at all. So you, you would have thought he was inappropriate. Otherwise, besides the racism, we'll just say that never happened. If he said this, he always says things about mm -hmm. Jews. If he said, Kaiser, I'm telling you, and they know me, you don't know, I'd be like, whatever. Well, oh, let, and let's I'm see not how he does. Saying, He's, like, you know, he was trying to be funny. He wasn't. Because people also yeah, act wins, like people are on SNL for years. It's like a lot of people are on SNL for like half a season. You know what I mean? So it's like at least let him have his chance. And, and I think firing is such a slippery slope because anyone who got popular before the internet is uncancelable. When you look at 
when you look at people who have done things older than the internet that we even know about. Like we like we know Mark Wahlberg has said and done terrible things to Asian people. He oh, would never be can't, Oh yeah, oh, he yeah. he beat the shit out of uh some Asian kids and like would make fun of Asian people all the time and like he is actually one of the rare celebrity cases where you can say like, "Oh, this person is like probably a full-blown racist." And he will never be canceled because all that stuff happened before the internet. There wasn't the passability, the shareability of the thing because that's the other problem with with the shame thing is that because it is so easy to share and it's so easy to build the context around exactly what you shared, people weren't sharing the whole, like, I don't know how, like, hour-long podcast or anything with that in there. People were sharing the, the uh, four minutes or so of him and his friend making the jokes about Asian people. And in that context, when that's all that you get, you are like, oh, God, this is not, this isn't good. You know what I mean? And I think that it's hard for a body of work to stand against that, which is why anyone who has a body of work pre-internet, you're, okay, Elvis was a racist. All right. What, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And that's to say, even if he was still alive, would you, would you really be able to get everyone to stop going to his concerts because of a racist interview you found in 1950s? Like, we act John, like they that's the thing? John, Yeah, they canceled John Wayne after he, uh, last year. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just think yeah. that... I think that you have a harder time with things like that, which is why to what you're saying, I actually agree, where it's like, I think there's a problem with having different standards for different people the same way that it is for different stereotypes for different races, you know? Can, can, can I apply a little Jewish business wisdom to this? I'm all ears. I, I thought I wanted, so, you know, one of the things that, that my father used to tell me was that you need to know what you want out of a situation before you go into a situation. And if, and if you spin that, and, and, and most business people will tell you this, that whatever you're doing, you have to know what your goal is. Like, where are you going with this? And, I, I, and a lot of these new rules and uh, controversies and the reactions and the repercussions of them do not seem to me to be guided by any wisdom of, well, okay, this is going to, if we do this stuff, this is going to lead us to the world that we're trying to live in. This is going to lead us to King's dream. It actually seems, if you were wondering what would, who would devise this strategy, it's someone who's saying, let me see how I can make an America which is totally divided, where, where race and ethnicity always and forever shall be the most important thing that anybody thinks about. Black people can wear Indian people's hair, but Indian people can't wear black people's hair. And let's make and you can't open a Japanese restaurant and you can't you can't play this kind of music. And uh, yes, you Asians, we're going to give you a pass on classical music, but, but I mean it, it's it's it it's it makes no sense it's ad hoc and it's and it's gibberish. As opposed to what I'm saying and this is where I'm coming from a lot of this stuff. I was like, "Well, no, this is not going to work. I want my kids to really not worry about race." So we're going to take some risks to get there. And one of the risks is going to be a little, I think, a little forbearance. And saying, all right, you know, you didn't mean it. It's clear you didn't mean it. Okay. Let's move on. That's it. That's it. But see, that's part of your privilege is you don't have to worry about race. I have to worry about race. No, no. I, I, have to, I, I tell you, I have, I have mixed race kids. I'm worried about them, too. And, and I raised a half-black stepchild. I'm, I'm not, so, so, I mean, that, that can just sound Jew, like. you're a Jew, to be fair. Yeah, but, but I'm worried about, all right, you know what? You can. You can make an ad hominem 
response, which is saying that I'm not going to deal with the logic of what you just said. I'm just going to say it came out of a white mouth. So that's my argument against it. And I think that's racist, actually. But I think think what you just did was textbook racism. You just dismissed me. You dehumanized me, actually. I made a really long, rational point, which you just wrapped up in a bow and threw out because I'm white. Well, if you want me to get am I, am I, am I Am I being unfair to you? I mean, I... Um, would you, how would you like if you said, yeah. oh, blah, blah, and I said, well, of course you of course you think that this is offensive. Well, you're Asian, so, Josh, I'm gonna hit, you, like, I'm that's, gonna, that's what you just did to me. I'm going to hit you up with a little ethnic studies. There's a professor... Don't, I, I, prefer, I, don't be, I would prefer if you didn't duck what I just said. I I'm really not think that what, what you just saying. did was racist. Okay, well, uh, I don't think that it was racist. Why? And because did you there, not judge me on the color of my skin? Did you two, not dismiss me because of the color of my skin? There's two types of way that ethnic firm... Formation is done. There's consent and descent. Who says? Werner Solers at Harvard. Oh, well, then it must be true. So, see, and you're very dismissive. So if you could just no, let I'm, me I'm continue. No, I'm upset because because I think that that you're that you're duck. You're not. I'm not duck. Okay, so you're gonna, there's you're consent. Gonna start some, give me some jargon from some Harvard professors that that, that in the, see, where, where these peer-reviewed journals actually you know don't you know all the the, the, the scan. No, I'm trying. I'm explaining. So there's consent and there's descent. Consent is how you perceive yourself. So you're perceiving yourself as the parent of a mixed race child, etc. You know, strike but all that. Just, I'm just saying, I made an argument. Descent is something you cannot help. So I could consent to say, I am, um, I'm a white person, but when I'm on the bus, my descent is different. So you have, we have these two different sets of how you can move through society. So, so all I'm hearing is that you can dismiss me because I'm white, I'm not and I have to you. respect what you say because you're Asian. That's, now, and you can, you can bring in all the Harvard gobbledygook you want. But that's the bottom line. I made a long, pretty, I think a pretty rational case. I, I don't think and that. Rather than, please, and rather than dismantle or even quibble with any of my logical leaps, the first thing out of your mouth was, well, you're white. All right. And, you're, and somehow, because some Harvard guy wrote something, you're going to tell me that that's not racism. Then I don't know what racism is. I'm, I would like to know what you would think would be my ideal answer to you. I, tell me wh- where you think I'm wrong. Well, I just, could I without just, without. Re- in other words, if you if I wrote it out on a page and I handed it to you and I'm saying I'm not going to tell you who wrote this. What do you think of this? That's the answer I want. I want the answer you'd have to give me if you had no idea what color the person who said it was. I think you're taking because a black a person could have said it more personally than than it was meant. She, but I I'm think, not taking it personally. Forget, it, and I'm really not taking it personally, even though I'm agitated. Um, what I'm, my agitation is at, to be really honest with you, the fact that the intelligentsia, the the, the elite. Professors and all the people who are handing this stuff down to us, they 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 pass this off as factual, and and you're not the first person I've spoken to. And then when you challenge them on it, they 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 allow themselves the very things I read this in a book recently. The very things that they claim to be fighting against: dehumanization, judging people by the color of their skin, all these things. They weaponize these things for themselves and do them. And like I said, I'll make my point again. I could have written out exactly what I said and handed it to her. And told and, and given her no information about who wrote it, and she would have had to answer it. And by the way, I know black people who would say the same thing. But because I'm white, that became the answer. And I'm saying, I'm, maybe I'm asking you to look at yourself, maybe consider something you hadn't thought of. That's racist. But you, I'm you, still, have, you have racist feelings about white people. I'm still asking you, what would have been your ideal answer from me? You, your answer, whatever you actually believe. My, I, I don't. I don't. You could have said any answer. You could have just. You could have. The answer is not the point. No, it sounded the, like you were waiting for me to say a certain answer right. that would have made but everybody happy. I know. That's. I, I don't know if you really believe no. that, but that is not the case at all. But I think to your point, to what you're saying, I 
here's the thing. I agree with you. I do think there's give and take. So the give is um, there are certain concessions that end up getting made, like how people don't really, it's not, it's in poor taste in almost every social setting, except maybe comedy, to say retard anymore. People just don't say, it feels gross to say, people just don't do it anymore. Likewise, there are some things where people are being too sensitive. And I think that when we start to become more truly honest about all of these discussions that we have, we actually get closer to the world that you want to create, where is a world where you worry less about race and you worry less about uh, gender and all those other things and people can just be themselves. The problem is there is so little give because there are people who don't want to stop or adjust at all. And then there's so little take in the people who want to try to see anything past their potential abuse or oppression. You know what I mean? I think that I, you know, I feel like I'm fortunate that I grew up black in the South because I have a very thick skin because I've had to, I've had like a lot of bad and, 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 and aggravating things happen to me to the point where now when I see Justin Trudeau's blackface, I actually don't feel anything. And to your point with Fred Armisen, even though I didn't see the sketch, even if I saw the sketch now, I don't think it would bother me at all because I've been in real like fires. You know what I mean? Like, like being called a nigger to your face in front of people who want to beat you up is very different than like someone um, not taking into account your humanity on Twitter. And I think that there's a little bit of like understanding that needs to happen and a little bit of toughening up that needs to happen. And I think that until either side can really admit like, okay, I was being a Ben about this thing. Or another side can be like, all right, well, we don't really have to say that thing anymore. We are going to stay in this limbo of like, well, here's the power structure. So here's how I look at you. Here's what you can say that I'm okay with. Here's what I okay, should okay. be able can to say. Can I ask a question about the white power structure? Now, th yeah. this thing, this is that's a stereotype. But Asians are the highest earners in the country. So the, the, they're, they're sharing the power structure at some point. No? And They're the only group that's being limited in terms of their numbers and how many we're going to allow in, in universities. The only group that we are actually thinking about eliminating gifted programs because they're doing too well on tests. These are not stereotypes. These are, this is all factual. Um, they really do seem to be part of the power structure. How do you define the power structure? Power structure is the people who make the decisions. There hasn't been, for instance, an Asian American, an East Asian American comic in on Saturday Night Live for 45 seasons. So a lot of it has to do with gatekeeping and who's making the decisions. Um, there's very few Asian Americans in Congress. Oh, I'm not sure where you're, what... Um, so, so that's your definition of power structure? Well, I'm also curious um, if, if that's, where you got your Asians are the richest... I can, I can Google it right now. I mean, I, okay. I, I just Googled it last I week. I mean, are you talking about East Asians? Are you adding Hmong? Are uh, I, you, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know the South answer to that. South Asians? I, well, I, the, I, the I, tough I, thing about that is that, it because I've seen the same stats that Noam was talking about, and Asian is grouped together in the same way white is grouped together. So even though a lot of Jewish people don't consider themselves white or very authentic first-generation Italian people don't consider themselves white. They're all looped into that, white. You just made stats, a brilliant point. You know, it's very interesting. I can tell, uh, when you say white people, who do you mean? 
You mean the people in trailer parks? Are they part of the power well, structure? Well, that's what I'm saying is, interestingly, you see, it's white You see how you're guilty of the same thing that you call no, people No, I'm not. White people hold most of the, the wealth, but then also white people are the, are the largest group of people who are on welfare. Right. Are they part of the power structure? Yes. White people are part of the structure, but what because I'm saying, of their race. what I'm saying is, you're also just lumping in white people. But if you disaggregate the data, you have a similar thing with white people. There are white people who do this, white people who do that, and so similar with Asians. There are Asians who are doctors. My dad's a doctor, but guess what? He was also an undocumented immigrant. So there, right, there's right. different. But, so if Andrew Yang were to meet some uh, uh, a guy from a, you know, somebody from the hillbilly elegy kind of set, you know, somebody from a trailer park or somebody, you know, very poor, one of these, somebody maybe uh, whose family has uh, these, uh, you know, the opiate abuse and you know in that whole these the, the that group of people that we that, that we are paying a lot of attention to now and i'm supposed to say though okay this white guy is the power structure and andrew young andrew yang is um the underdog or whatever the opposite of power structure is this is racist this is absurd this is this is that what, what all i'm hearing is that we are not going to judge anybody as individuals no matter how overwhelming the case is to drop that nonsense with these two people and say, all right, you know what? Yes, and we know in overall white people are doing better, but you have a, a, a billionaire, whatever he is, businessman, and a white guy living in a trailer, and I'm going to look at the white guy as the power structure, and I'm going to think that, well, and that's actually, that's because I'm righteous, because I'm, because I'm far thinking I'm seeing it that way. But I don't judge people by the color of their skin. Oh, no, only racists do that. This, this does not hold up to well, me. Okay, so just quick thing. So to what Noam is saying, right? It, when you look at power, do you look at the power of the individual or the power of the group? Because my, my thing is, if you look at the power of the group, then it is easier to make these distinctions of, okay, I see a lot of white people in Congress, a lot of white people in business, Fortune 500 companies, everything like that, a lot of white people on the Forbes list. But if you look at the power of the individual, I think you have to start taking into account for certain things that even if you consider them anomalies. Barack Obama was president for eight years. As a black man, with blacks having, you know, 50% of the homeless population is, is to you know, African-American people. It is tough to me to say that, like, power is, like, access plus privilege, everything like that. Because once you have an individual that breaks through that thing, we're now seemingly not accounting for them. I think Barack Obama was a, a great president, and I know a lot of people, you know, like, can disagree with me on that. But I do think that it is wild to say that because of the lack of power of his group, that he, the most powerful person in the U.S. and maybe the world for eight years could not have been racist or could not have done something racist because racism is, is like privilege plus power or something. Like all of these dynamics that we talk about, they negate that there are people in different pockets. And Can't racism just be hating someone because of the color of their race? Wait, I want to go back. But what's, then what's wrong you with that? Do you think then with Obama's election that we have, as some people have said, we've entered a post-racial future where the really, racism really isn't a big deal anymore? It's no, I think that's overly optimistic because I think it's the same people to what you know we've said before with like how certain jokes used to be okay, but they were only okay because other people weren't speaking up. I think a lot of people who weren't who weren't saying that post-racial thing were actually the ones who we should have waited on to say the post-racial thing. So I, but I do think that if, if I as a comedian am like, you, you take someone like Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart's one of the most powerful people in comedy. 
yes, he's a black person, but he's one of the most powerful people in comedy no matter what you say, no matter what. So so even if even if a, a white audience member or a white executive at a network company were to call him a nigger to his face, he is still more powerful than that person. And I don't think that it loses anything for the, the, the severity and the gravity of that situation to act like he isn't. Does that make sense? Like, I think that power is, is, a, is a tricky thing because there are some people that have very little power and access but they're cis or they're, you know what I mean? All, like all the, all the things. And I think it's tough because it can be very, very frustrating when that person is trying to say something or, is, or has a feeling or anything like that. And they do feel dismissed well, to a certain I, I degree. I remember, just to speak to that, when she, the one thing I saw Chappelle's special, I enjoyed it as well. The one thing I did find a little bit disturbing was when Chappelle was doing imitations of the cracked out, methed out white guy. Uh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, no, I know. And th- and that's the only part I said. Well, that just seems a little bit mean and and a little bit hateful. If I had to pick at something, because Chappelle, <clears throat> he's a black, it, he's it a black man. Wasn't making fun of Michael Jackson's victims that got you? No, it, well, it happened not to be. I don't think he was making fun of the victims. Well, he said they were liars. I don't know. if he's making fun of them. <laughs> and, and, and you should be happy him. at least. And, and but, it, but he, he was he like saying, it's Michael Jackson. He was doing like a white voice, like, dude, I, you know, yeah. uh, being like a like a meth addict. And I did, I have to say. That I did feel like uh, it feels a little mean to me. All right, it's um, a little mean. But but the, my point is yeah. is that to what Josh is saying is, I saw Dave as the powerful guy in that situation as the white guy that he was making fun of as the disenfranchised person, in and and then I felt a little bit uneasy about it. And I'm saying that that this paradigm is needs to be really reconsidered because I'm not sure it tells us all that much. I'm not saying I can't. I'm not saying that you couldn't come up with a hypothetical scenario where that would be part of what I wanted to consider in the story. But in general, I'm quite happy just saying, well, you know, that you're making fun of somebody because of their skin color. And you should be ashamed of yourself. And we're not going to tolerate it. And I don't care what color you are and what color he is or what his, what his W-2 says or what your W-2 says. Or we will tolerate it, depending or, or, on... Or, or, no, or if you want to make jokes. I'm just saying, like... Because the, the, the very idea that you get a, that it's immoral, but less immoral, or actually not immoral if you do it and it becomes immoral if I do it, I don't well, think that this can be as justified. I said, I think the morality I think, lies I think, in the intention. Yes. Which is what I said about... I mean, intention or not, I, I agree that it's not sustainable because then you have shifts. You have, like, at, at a certain point, I don't know when it happened, I think that plenty of black people still feel marginalized, but a lot of us feel like Americans now. If if that make if does it does that concept make sense? Where well, it's is like, there anything more American than the Black American? You've been here the no, longest. No, but he means now they're feeling accepted. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, like I, now, now I think more Black people feel like citizens of America than any other point in time I, because those like hurtful histories are still very present. They weren't actually that long ago if you look at the time lifespans, but they aren't as. Um, as prevalent, it just it, when I talk to other Black people, and I think that it's not it's not the the structure that we have now about talking about power, about talking about race, is not sustainable for the future when things are going to change and people will start shifting in 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 levels of their group having power and level of their group having um, um, size and numbers because there will come a day where white people are like 
a slight minority. You know what I mean? Like they're they're you know what like seventy seven percent right now. But like you know what? Let's say one day they hit forty nine. To Gnome's point, is that going to then be by the standards that we're setting okay for all of those like quote unquote racist things to uh, make a comeback? Because now they are the slight minority and they have slightly less power. It, and, 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 and by the way, this has an ugly history. I don't know. If, have you been in New York like for the last 30, 40 years or just uh, nudie? On and off since the 80s, yeah. yes. So, so now I'm going to say some things that these, these were happening in the black community, but, you know, just, just because uh, it, I, I think the point is, is correct. That I, I felt a lot of this redefining of what's racism and the power structure stuff came about as a defensive measure against um, some ugly chapters that happened. For instance, uh, th there was a Korean boycott uh, where, where people like Al Sharpton and, uh, his, and I think Mason and Maddox and we were carrying signs, don't buy from people who don't look like us. Uh, Crown Heights, where the Jews were considered somehow to be, even though these were like poor Orthodox Jews, privileged, and it was explained away. In um, the, the L.A. riots, I think 70% of all the damage in the L.A. riots happened to the Korean community. Some, some, I, I, might, I might even be underestimating. It was a tremendous outpouring of hate uh, towards the Korean community in L.A., and rather than call this stuff racism, which it, it was, however you want to uh, understand it or explain how it got to be, or I mean, you can, you can undertake to understand it sociologically, but it was racism, pure and simple. And rather than call it out and, and, uh, and uh, admonish it, we created these kind of new paradigms where we, we defined it out of existence. No, it's not racism. They can't be racist. So, whatever. So we, we just kind of—it it just kind of goes down the memory hole in a way. Whereas if you had, you know, a white uh, protest and 70 or 80 percent of the damage was all targeted to the black community, this would go down in history as one of the great racial, despicable incidents in world history. But we can't bear that to happen from anybody but white people. But the fact is we're all human, and you know what? White people are no better or worse than black people or Asian people, and we're all capable of it. We're all especially capable of it if we know we can get away with it. We're all even more capable of it if we know we're gonna be forgiven for it and actually said, no, you know, you, you had reason to do that. This is human nature, this is, not, this is not racial. And I think we all need the same disincentives. We all need to be called out in the same way. We're not helping anybody by telling them, no, it's okay if you do that. You know, it's not, it's not as bad when you do it. What is going to come from that? Less of it? Not. It's not going to. Unless I, unless, unless I know nothing about human nature after 57 years. I know that if they were my kids, that is not the way I would raise my kids. I would tell them, oh, no, you don't. Don't think because you're, you're Puerto Rican, your mom's Puerto Rican, you can say that kind of stuff. No, no, no. You don't like it when somebody says it to you, you don't say it to the white guy. That's what I would tell them. And, yeah, and, that, I mean, and they would understand that. that. There's a logic to that. Oh, okay, Dad, I get that. Yeah, I mean, the Buddha said that, you know, hate isn't begat by more hate, you know. So I, I, I do think that there are people who have... The Buddha and, or Tracy Morgan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there are people who have, to what, to what you're saying, an unchecked amount of anger or hatred that doesn't get checked because they 
are perceived to have less power in society. I think that it's it's. Do you do you are you guys familiar with uh, August Ames? No. August Ames was a porn star. Uh, and she committed suicide. I like, say she's like a black intellectual. No, no, no. Wouldn't that be wild if she were both? You know? um, uh, she was a porn star who committed suicide last year. And basically what ended up happening was she was supposed to do a scene with a guy who had done a guy-guy scene the day before, but he hadn't been tested again yet. And if you're familiar with like sex workers, you're all supposed to get tested all the time to keep everyone safe. She didn't want to do the scene with him the next day. And I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know if it was the studio who did it, but basically it got out that she didn't want to do a scene with this guy who did this guy-guy scene the day before. I don't know if that was the studio trying to you know, put it on social and pressure her. Either way, lots and lots of people from the LGBT community hit her up and were like, why are you so homophobic? What's your problem? Every, all these things. And she was like, I'm not homophobic at all. I'm actually a member of the community. I'm bisexual. I've done scenes with guys, scenes with girls. I've had relationships with guys, relationships with girls. It didn't matter. She just got an overpouring on Twitter of hate, 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 hate from people who are arguably the most marginalized members of society. And it, it continued until the point where she killed herself. And there's no, um, there's no evening out of that thing. People who are marginalized, who are hated or who are harassed or who are killed for who they are, bullied someone to death. And it was someone who, I mean, I don't know if she was white or mixed, but it was someone who could pass for white, who was a you know, woman. And, and it's like, we, we can't allow ourselves to have this shield that the things that I do that I don't want done to me are, are okay because they're not technically being done to me. And I think that it, I, I don't know what it leads to except chaos. Because no one, no one, Twitter doesn't issue any retractions. And there's no apology and there's no punishment for when all of that vitriol goes out into the world and affects a person, you know? You know, maybe it's, I'm simple-minded. I don't you know, but when you put it that way, the bubble over my head was saying, there's such a power in a simple idea. Like, you know, you're just like, you know, what's... Do unto others you'd have others do unto you. Like, that's really what you're saying. Like, it's yeah. so, and, and somehow now, I think the smartest people will say, oh no, it, it's not that easy. You know, don't, no, no, not do unto other stuff. No, no, you, you don't know nothing. You gotta, you gotta read these books and you gotta go to Harvard and blah, blah, blah. It's actually much more complicated than that. And I'm not buying it. But to I, your I point, think, I don't do think that's others. what you're saying. Yeah, well, I think she like, is. Like, I'll let her I, say. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I got to admit, I'm kind of losing the thread of this whole discussion a little <laughs> okay, bit. We got to wrap it up anyway. Well, I, I would have wanted to. I don't know. I guess we don't have time. But I, I, I was fascinated by this whole Greta Thunberg story. Okay, we can talk about it. Well, I mean, um, did you see the, her speech before the UN? I saw it. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. yeah. and uh, Did you see it? I only saw the meme that they made out of it. I didn't see the meme. I was in the library, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I just wonder if you had any thoughts. I really. I, I, don't, I don't like when they put these kids up to to uh, you know. I, I don't believe a sixteen-year-old is capable of the depth to um, whatever her conclusion is about anything. Yeah, to but be, you but know. but I would say the same thing about ninety percent of adults. I mean, if you've read Twitter <laughs> yes, yes. and you've read Facebook, <laughs> most people are imbeciles <laughs> that that probably know less than Greta Thunberg about the issue. I mean, she may not be the most qualified to talk about global warming, but she's probably more qualified than 90% of the adults out there. Look, I, were they saying bad things she, about her? Pardon? Were they saying bad things about her? Well, they were saying, yeah, they were saying she was creepy about and her. that she has telekinetic powers. I actually said that. 
Um, <laughs> I, I would want. I would not want them to say anything bad about her. I would. I would say bad things about the people who put her up to it and the people who Nobody's were passing. Well, I don't know. Who they're putting. Well, she may really somebody, feel. Well, somebody put her up there. She's on the, in the UN. Her. Somebody put her up. She, she don't just. Somebody gets put walk. her in front of the UN. Yeah, yeah, somebody decided this would be a good strategy to find this young girl and put her up in front of the UN because right. this makes a point in a visceral way. That, that's the she, person I would she, have a problem but with. She's, she's too young to have done anything right right or wrong. Right, but, but, but she's certainly, like, not... Be, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't get the sense that she's being, like, manipulated by her parents. But the bottom or, line is, is she right? I think that's... Is, is she correct that we're facing a grave crisis... I probably and, and that we owe it to the younger generation to clean things up because they're the ones that are going to deal with it. Or is she being alarmist? <laughs> well, I don't want to bash Asians yet again on the show, but China's China is <laughs> they got to find a way to get China and India to stop this too because apparently America ain't going to be enough. But I, I don't know. I don't. I haven't heard any good answers to this global warming. Because I never see I, scientists I, <laughs> on the. I know I'm with you. I've been researching it. Nuclear would help. And. Uh, Everybody seems to agree that it's real and that it's man-made, but what they don't seem to agree on is what is, what's going to happen and how grave the consequences are going to be and if there's a way to mitigate those consequences, even if they arise, so that we might have more flooding, but there might be ways to deal with flooding. Th those answers I'm not getting other because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not hearing a lot of scientists on TV. I'm hearing a lot of uh, celebrities and... In their jets. 16-year-old girls. And 16-year-olds. <laughs> but to the extent that she's inspiring people to at least take a look at it, you know, I can't quarrel with that. I, I find the whole thing a, a, a silly... I mean, I just, it's, I'm not surprised it's a meme. The, you know, we've lost the ability to distinguish between trivialities and ultra-serious things, like, like even in this Trump thing. Like, the, the accusation against Trump now is that he uh, tried to get a foreign power to uh, investigate an, an American, um, which could be a, a, grave, uh, a grave violation of civil liberties. Could be. It doesn't seem like it is, but it, it, that was my first inclination. And another, so we want him impeached for that. And the other reason we wanted him impeached was because he paid his, his porn straw mistress off uh, in, in a not the technically correct way to do it. And they're put up there next to each other. A guy pays his mistress off who's hitting him up for money and a president tries to deny an American of his civil liberties by having a foreign power investigate him. And yet, and, and it's, not a, it's not immediately apparent to most people that you're talking about a boulder and a pebble in terms of the, the con how important these things are. And I think that goes on for so many things well, in the but, news. But how would you say that that relates to Greta Thunberg? I think that this is, that her, that she's getting a tremendous amount of tension, but she's not going to have any impact, and it doesn't matter, and it's, it's mostly because it was just such an interesting video, and she was so... Odd. I don't want to insult her. Whatever it is, like, memorable, whatever the word is. Like, I'd never quite seen... It was in, like it, it burned in your brain to see that presentation, but it's not. Global warming is not going to be affected by Greta Thunberg. Th th how do you pronounce the last name? I've heard Thunberg. Thun I've heard Th Thunberg. Thunberg. But that sounds better. Thunberg. All right. We're, we're, we're losing Marie. I can see she's tired and she's pissed at me. Are you pissed at me? No, I'm not pissed at you. Oh. I've just kind of lost some of the thread of the discussion. Yeah. Well, it's a little admit. free form. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry. Oh, and you know what I needed to tell you is my friend Paula Lee said she went to music camp with you. Oh, <gasps> Ho John Lee's sister? 
I he's bet just another you writer that I know. It is yeah. Paula, Paula Lee and Hojel. Yes, with the New England Music Camp. You are. You know, isn't that interesting? Such a small world. Yeah. And and it is also interesting. You know, to think back on how you know it sounds. This is super corny, but how we weren't really aware. Like Hojel was this little. I guess he was a Korean kid and thing, but we didn't. You know, it just didn't register in those days. Um, you didn't see color. Well, kids don't as much anyway. But the thing is, now they do more than they used when we were kids. I, I, I told the story many times on the podcast. And so my my first grade daughter came home, and she'd never said anything like this. Now she grew up in a home where she's seen quite a lot of diversity at every. I mean, quite a lot of diversity her whole life. She comes home and she looks. She goes, "Daddy, you're white, right?" I'm like, "Yes." She goes, "Do you treat people badly?" I'm like, what? She goes, well, we learned in school that white people treat people badly. Now, that's the way she put it. That's probably not the way they said it to her. I'm like, no. Have you ever seen daddy treat anybody badly? She says, well, I thought maybe you used to. You know, they said that white people used to. And this is kind of a perfect, you know, way to end. The reason what kind of I was getting so upset before. Like, this is the outcome that a, that a, that a child who never saw Ray's comes home and now all of a sudden sees her father as a white dude, but she never even conceived before. And then she's wondering if her father might be mean because of it. And this is our progress. We're, at first grade, she thinks there's a Santa Claus. Like, she thinks there's a tooth fairy. And they want her to understand racial hatred. This is madness to me. That's, that's not, that's not, nothing good's going to come of my daughter being told that in first grade. She can learn it, you know, on the streets. <laughs> no, she can learn it in fifth grade, sixth grade, when she's kind of old enough to be able to understand it. But I, I just think that this is not designed to get us where we want to be. I would say that Noam yeah. certainly can be mean to people, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, not, it's got not nothing me. to do with race. Who said that? I mean, who, who accused me of being to do with race? Oh, because of my daughter. I yes, misunderstood yes, you. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. saying I'm that uh, you, you, know, you asked your daughter, do you ever seen Daddy being mean to people? Um, <laughs> and maybe she has not. But I saw you... Tear Ray Allen and a new asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jewish, so it was okay. We were we were on equal. Mm -hmm. We were punching even, so so we could. So but I, uh, in any case, so I could call him cheap. Okay, uh, Marie, I, I, I'm sorry that if, if I got upset, this is a recurring. You you, you touch on a recurring nerve, and I'm reading a book which you'll think is a bunch of white right wing trash, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, uh, the madness of crowds. By uh, uh, Douglas Murray. Douglas Murray. Okay. The Man is Crowds by Douglas Murray, which which touches. He's on not a, beloved either, by the way. I'd never heard of him until this book. You've heard of? Him? He's a gay English guy, I believe. He, yeah, he's a gay English guy, but he's it, it's so it's written from a very like anti PC point of view, but boy is it well written and and strongly reasoned. Whether you agree with it or not, you you can't deny that this is A equals B equals C equals D. Okay, well thank cool. you thank you so much. You want I hope you come see a show. I hope you come again. Say hi to Paula. Yeah. She still play music, by the way? I'm not sure. Oh, you're not sure. Okay, good night, everybody. Thank you.